Have you, uh, have you ever met somebody who has a calling in life? They're the annoying people who are always running around with some greater purpose, right? They're out um, like living the dream and they seem to be happy all the time and they're, they're planting trees and saving the whales and rescuing puppies and whatever else. Like they have like some purpose greater than, and, and I look at those people and I often think like, who has time for that? Like where does all that energy come? Like I'm just trying to like work today, get out of bed, pay my bills, like, who has time for all this, like, calling business, and, uh, and who are these people who have callings? I, I read about it in the Bible. If you've been around church very much, you've, uh, you've heard people say that God had a call on their lives, and, uh, and I wondered about it, and I look at the Bible, and I see it happening. I see people like Abraham, who God speaks to and says, you're going to be the father of many nations, or, uh, or God speaks to Moses through a burning bush, and I've never seen a burning bush talk. Like, that's weird. And, uh, and so I, I'm kind of having a hard time, like, relating to that. And I've never heard God speak directly to me, like, in an audible voice. Like, the skies part, and, and, and God says, David, go and do this, thee, thou, thus, whatever. Like, that has not been my experience. And so uh, when people talk about a calling, it, uh, it can sometimes be... Um, just a little bit weird. And, uh, and I asked the question, like, what does a calling actually look like? Like, what does that actually mean? When somebody says that God called them, what does that mean? And, and can anybody have a calling? Or is it just reserved for people who are holy enough or special enough? What does a calling look like? How do I discover a calling? What I want you to know today is that you were created for a calling. Every person here was created for a calling you have a greater purpose. God created you that way. He has a plan for your life and he wants you to know it and to pursue it. Today we're gonna discover a passionate calling through the account of Nehemiah. Before we dive in, let's, let's pray. Lord, we're here from, from all kinds of backgrounds, with all kinds of history and baggage, and we lay that down and ask you to speak to us through your word and by your Holy Spirit. Would you reveal to us the calling that you have for our lives. Break our hearts for the things that break your heart. Speak to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so today we're going to talk about Nehemiah, and Nehemiah is an actual historic person. He, he's not, uh, it's not a fairy tale. This isn't a, a parable. Um, this is, is actual history here. In fact, if you went to uh, Jerusalem today and you walk through the old city of, of Jerusalem, you would see uh, the remains of, of the wall that Nehemiah helped to rebuild. Um, so this is a, an actual time in history, an actual person. And uh, just to give a little historic background on Nehemiah, Jerusalem was conquered by the Babylonians in 586 BC. And uh, the, the civic and the religious leaders were exiled to Babylon. The common people in Jerusalem were left to kind of fend for themselves and they turned to the pagan ways of their neighbors. And uh, they, they left the Jewish faith uh, in large part. After about 70 years, some of the exiles that had been in Babylon returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and to restore the Jewish people into right relationship with God. They began teaching the ways of God again. And we pick up the story in about 445 BC when Nehemiah, still exiled in the city of Susa, gets a report from Jerusalem. It says in, in Nehemiah chapter 1, in late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me 
with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. This morning, we're going to look at three key elements to identify and implement your calling. And the first one is to identify what's breaking your heart. What is it that breaks your heart? As you look at this broken world, what is it that wrecks you? What is it that keeps you up at night, that makes you weep? What is it that pulls at your heartstrings? Your calling comes out of your broken heart. I began to discover this when I was about 12 years old. How can a 12-year-old know uh, their calling, right? Um, 12 years old, I was, it was a tough time for my life. I, I, was, uh, I was a seventh grader, and things had not gone well for me that year. Um, in elementary school, I had been pretty athletic, had made friends playing sports, and all of a sudden, um, I, I, like, changes started happening, right? Changes started happening. And, uh, and uh, all of a sudden, I was like elbows and knees everywhere. Like, as I walked down the hall, I was just like, hey, guys. Like, just awkward. And I had horrible acne. And all the things I enjoyed doing, I couldn't do any longer. I just didn't have the, the coordination to do what I loved doing, playing sports. Friends were changing. And, uh, and I was finding myself with, without a lot of friends. And uh, I got in a lot of fights at school that year because of bullying and people picking on me. And, uh, and I hated going to school. I mean, not just like every kid hates going to school, like do I, five more minutes, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, I really did everything I could to not go to school or to make it as unpleasant as possible. And, uh, and so that summer, as, as, as luck would have it, uh, I, I went on vacation with my family um, to visit an aunt who lived here in Tualatin. We were from California. I had never been to Portland before. And uh, we were coming to stay with an aunt in Tualatin, and I fell in love with Portland at 12 years old. I just loved it here. I bought my first Blazers hat, and, uh, and I rocked that hat proudly in California. Uh, pictures of me at 12, 13, 14, 17 years old had me in that same Blazers hat the whole time because uh, I loved Portland. And my aunt, um, she saw the, the hard time I had been going through. And, uh, and she said, why don't you come stay with me for a year and get a new start and, uh, and, and go to school here? I was like, dude, this is awesome. Best plan ever. Like, I get to escape the, the, the life that I hate at home um, and, and come to, uh, to Oregon. And I remember my exact words. I was on the floor of her apartment at the Chelan Apartments down here. Um, and uh, I was on the floor of her apartment crying and begging my mom to let me stay in Tualatin. And... Uh, and of course, my mom, you know, was very wise, and, and she said, no, you're not moving to Oregon. That's ridiculous. You're going to stay and tough it out. And, you know, she's absolutely right. But I remember my words at the time, and, and I've joked with my mom since then. Um, the, I, I told my mom through my tears, mom, please don't make me go back to that hellhole. <sighs> a little dramatic as a 12-year-old. And by the way, that's not a good thing generally to tell your mom that her home is a hellhole. Um, it doesn't go over very well. Um, just a little wisdom. Um, so, so I returned home with my mom, and uh, that summer uh, I, was, I was at a, a youth camp. And, 
every night of that camp, a different missionary spoke. And I was in San Rafael, California at a small church and a missionary spoke and I couldn't tell you who it was or what he spoke about, but I remember my heart being stirred and at the end of that sermon, I ran to the altar and on the right-hand side of that stage, I bowed my knee and I said, God, I give you all of my life for the rest of my life. Anything you want me to do, I will do it. And I remember just pouring out my heart to God as a 12-year-old. And I distinctly remember the impression that God put on my heart that all of the pain, all of the anxiety, all of the hurt that I had endured that year, God was going to take that and somehow use it to help other students. And that began a lifelong search for the calling that God placed on my life to serve young people, to help students who were feeling the way I felt in seventh grade. It started at an altar in San Rafael, California, when I allowed God to break my heart and he took the broken pieces of my heart and began to use them, began to use all of that pain for his calling. Your calling will come out of your broken heart. Many of you know Carl Ralston, an insurance agent who was sitting in a church in Ohio when he saw a picture of a young girl who had been trafficked in Cambodia. It broke his heart and he, it started him on a mission to find this girl and then to find other girls, other kids like her and rescue them. Today, Remember New is an organization founded by Carl Ralston. It has 41 homes in nine different countries with over a thousand kids that have been saved from a life of sex abuse because one man allowed his heart to be broken and he stayed focused on that broken heart and he did something about it. What breaks your heart? Blake Mykoski was 29 and on vacation in Argentina in 2006 when he met a woman who was volunteering on a shoe drive. And she explained that even in a, a relatively developed country like Argentina, uh, many kids still didn't have shoes, and that led to health problems. It led to uh, having a hard time to get, getting to school or getting to a well to draw water. And uh, that they would receive donations of shoes, but oftentimes there wasn't enough and there weren't the right sizes of shoes. Blake, as he had been in Argentina, had already noticed the shoes that a lot of people there wore. And he liked the style and was trying to figure out how he could bring that style back to the United States so now with his heart broken for these kids with no shoes, he came back to the United States and founded a for-profit company that would donate a pair of shoes for every pair of shoes sold. They'd give shoes to kids in, in uh, developing countries to help them. Tom's Shoes was founded out of one man's broken heart. He made a difference. See, it's not just pastors or missionaries. It's not just the great heroes of the faith that get callings. God wants to speak to each of us. God wants to use your broken heart to build his kingdom, to help people in need. What breaks your heart? Nehemiah's heart was broken by the disgrace of Jerusalem's walls. Here he was serving in the court of the king. He had likely never been to Jerusalem, but when he heard about the state of the city, it broke his heart and he had to do something about this tragedy. Your greatest calling may come out of your greatest tragedy. Your grief, your addiction, your divorce, your brokenness may be the fertile soil that God uses to plant the seed of a calling. 
you are never too broken or too far gone for God to use. My friend Shane Couch went through a difficult time in his life. It led to a new direction for him. I asked him if I could share his story, and and so this is his story in his words. He says, for many years, I was preaching one thing and living another because of the shame my struggles with sexual sin brought on me, specifically in the area of internet pornography. I tried to overcome cyclical patterns and habitual behaviors on my own. With an accountability partner or partners and through prayer and Bible memorization, but I was never able to overcome these issues. My sinful habits and shame continued, and my denial grew stronger. It carried over into my marriage and began to affect our relationship. But all the while, we were putting our best foot forward at church, making everything appear good and healthy and biblical, but it wasn't. Several years ago, I reached a breaking point and could not stand to be living so hypocritically any longer. I confessed all my issues to my wife, and a long, hard journey of recovery began for both of us. Freedom from decades worth of habits, shame, cycles, and hypocrisy is worth the work. Therefore, we have partnered together to minister to people with similar untold stories. Marty, as a marriage and family therapist focusing on couples with sexual addiction issues, and I as an ordained minister with a shepherd's heart towards others who are silently struggling. We wish to talk about a subject hardly addressed, yet silence keeps so many pastors and lay people bound. We want to tell others, out of our brokenness and healing, there's hope. Shane and his wife Marty founded Missionaries to Ministers out of this difficult period of their lives. And it reminds me that God uses everything, the good and the bad and all of our brokenness. He uses it all for good. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Listen, you have a calling and your brokenness, your failure, God wants to use that as part of that calling on your life. You're not too far gone. God can use tragedy and even failure to break our hearts and plant a passionate call on our lives. Your greatest call may come from your hardest fall or your greatest tragedy. Here's the thing though about a broken heart. A broken heart hurts, right? Nobody wants a broken heart. Nobody asks for a broken heart. And so it's hard to stay focused on that thing that breaks our heart because it's painful. It's hard to to not allow the the cares of this world to just push that thing down and hide it because it's easier just to go about our lives than it is to allow that brokenness to be front and center. For a broken heart to move to a passionate calling, we've got to stay focused on it. There's so many things competing for your time and your resources. There's so many things competing for your attention. The, the everyday functions of getting your family ready, going to work, doing your job, all of that will move in and steal the time away from a broken heart if we're not careful. I keep my middle school and my high school yearbooks in my office. And from time to time, I thumbed through my yearbooks to remember what it was like to be that middle school boy, to be a high schooler struggling with my identity. Because as I serve students, as I get older, I'm now 38, I'm I'm a little further removed from that boy that was in middle school, and it's hard to remember what it felt like 
during that time. But when I crack open that yearbook, everything comes back. All of those words, all of those feelings come back again. And I'm taken back to that altar in San Rafael where God first spoke to me. And it renews that broken heart in me again. Not a day goes by that I do student ministry, that I don't talk to students who feel the same thing I felt. And I'm reminded that God wants to use my broken heart to reach those students, to care for those students. What breaks your heart? If you want to discover a calling, you've got to allow your heart to be broken. God continues to break my heart. As I drive through our community, as I meet people, my heart breaks still because I see lots of good people in our communities who are far from God. They're not bad people. We like to sometimes demonize people who are far from God. But listen, there are a lot of good people who are just far from God. They just don't know him. They haven't considered church uh, as, part, as relevant to their daily lives. They don't know that God, the creator of the universe, has a plan for their lives, that, that he loves them, he cares about them. They don't know the adventure of seeking him and following him with all of their heart. And my heart breaks that they're missing out on knowing this God that we serve. That's why I'm passionate about the vision that our church has to, to plant churches in this area. Our 2020 vision to start new churches all over. Because there are people who, who would go to church if they were just invited. If it was convenient, if it was close to home. If the gospel was presented in a way they understood, they might just give God a chance. My heart breaks for it. What does your heart break for? Does your heart break for kids, for students, for business people, the people you work with, your neighbors? What does your heart break for? God may want to use that as a calling in your life. He may be preparing you even now for a future campus Progress Ridge or at Lake Oswego as Horizon starts these new campuses. What is God breaking your heart for? What breaks your heart? Second key to identifying your calling and implementing it is to passionately seek God. Passionately seek God. Nehemiah's heart broke. He wept. And he moved the issue front and center. He fasted and he prayed for what amounts to about four months. He spent time just seeking God. Before acting on his broken heart, he records his prayer beginning in verse 5 of Nehemiah chapter 1. He says, Then I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands, listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people, Israel. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey me, obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it into his heart to be kind to me. Nehemiah took his broken heart to God. Now, keep in mind here, he's not just throwing up a shot at the buzzer. He's not just hoping for, for an answer to prayer. This, he commits himself. 
He takes this broken heart, this raw nerve that he feels, and he commits himself to fasting, to praying. For four months, he goes after God, begging God to move on his behalf. He's taking the passion from his heart, from the brokenness that he feels, and he's speaking to God about it. Nehemiah then repents not only for his sins, but for the sins of his family, and even for on behalf of the people of Israel. Nehemiah feels the weight of the burden on behalf of a nation. He takes that burden upon himself and he takes it to God and he repents. There's a principle here that I believe makes a difference in our prayer lives. And that's that repentance opens the door for God to move on our behalf. Repentance opens the door for God to move on our behalf. Until we are willing to turn from our ways and turn to God, God's not going to move on our behalf. What do we need to repent of? What do you need to take to God in prayer? What do we need to turn away from? Are you willing to put the time in to take your broken heart and take it to God? Nehemiah passionately sought after God. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Sometimes for me, reading the Bible, um, it can be a little convoluted, a little confusing for me to understand and apply to my life. But this is one of those clear if-then statements. And when I see those in the Bible, um, those are like the ones that get underlined in my Bible because God makes it very clear what we're supposed to do. If we will humble ourselves, if we will repent, if we will turn from our ways, then God will. And, and if I want to know what God wants to do, if I want to seek God's ways for my life, I've got to live out the if part, right? I've got to do, I've got to humble myself. I've got to repent. I've got to turn from my ways. Then God will heal. Then God will restore. Passionately seek God. Humble ourselves and pray. Repent. Then God will move on our behalf. Nehemiah also shows us that prayer is the fuel to our calling. A broken heart that isn't firmly grounded in prayer is just a raw nerve, and that's no good to anybody. A broken heart that just sits there broken. You've met people like this, that their heart breaks for things. They feel everything, but they're, they're not grounded. They're not rooted in anything. Prayer puts down roots. Prayer seeks out God, and God begins to, to uh, take that brokenness and build something out of it. Prayer is the fuel to the calling. Everything Nehemiah needed to accomplish the calling God put on his heart was accomplished through that prayer, through that repentance and fasting, before he ever took action. Passionately seek God. The third key is that you are the plan. You are the plan. God has been preparing you all your life for what you're just about to do. I've heard Pastor Stan say that a number of times, and it resonates with me because every life experience I've had, from, from the time I was a little boy, every job I've had, every failure I've had, any success I've had, God has used all of that for the next season of my life. Where are you at? What can God use in your life? What experience can God use as you seek out this calling he's put on your life? I love the last part of Nehemiah chapter 1. As Nehemiah signs off after he records his prayer, he says this almost as a footnote. He says, in those days, I was the king's cupbearer. And the chapter ends. It's kind of like mic drop, just, I was the king's cupbearer, done. And uh, I, I find it incredible because God used exactly where he was at to accomplish 
what God wanted to do. This wasn't happenstance that Nehemiah happened to be in the court of the king. It wasn't just coincidence that he was there. This was a pivotal positioning that God had made for Nehemiah. He placed him within earshot of the king in order to do something about something that broke God's heart. Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. The cupbearer was part of the king's inner circle. He was a trusted servant. He had access to the king. And the king might ask for input from time to time, but it wasn't customary for the cupbearer to ask of the king anything. The cupbearer, after all, was still a slave. Nehemiah was still in exile. He was in no position to ask, but because he was within earshot of the king, God used his position to further his calling. So where are you at today? What position do you have? What can you leverage for the kingdom of God? God has placed you with a specific set of skills, talents, and abilities. He's he's given you this time in history, placed you in this city, surrounded you with the people you've been surrounded with for a purpose. None of it has been by accident, and God can use every bit of it. Where are you at? He'll give you a calling. He'll refine it through prayer and repentance, and he'll use you and all he's equipped you with. You are the plan. That's a little bit scary to me that I'm the plan because if I'm the plan, we're in trouble. But listen, you don't go alone. God has positioned you, but he's also with you. And by the power of his Holy Spirit, he will work through you to accomplish the calling he's placed on your life. So where are you at? What breaks your heart? What's your calling? What are you seeking God about? Who are you and where has he placed you? I believe everyone here is in one of four areas. You're either asking, you're apprehensive, you're anguishing, or you're acting. If you're asking, you're saying, I don't know what my my calling is. I don't know what this greater purpose is. What is this thing? You're asking, what is it that breaks my heart? I want to encourage you to continue to ask that until you find answers. Listen, if nothing's breaking your heart, you're not paying attention. If nothing's breaking your heart, you're not paying attention. Maybe we've become too comfortable Maybe, maybe in, in driving in our cars to our air-conditioned homes, to our jobs, to eating three nice meals a day and having all that we need provided to us, we are too comfortable to have our hearts broken by the things that break God's heart. What breaks your heart? Ask the question. Don't be so insulated that you can't ask God, what, what breaks your heart? Break my heart for what breaks yours. It requires change. It hurts, which is why many of us don't do it. We're reminded in Acts, though, in Acts chapter 14, it says we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, this thing isn't easy. Following a calling isn't easy. I think that's why many of us don't feel like we have a calling, because we haven't allowed ourselves to be broken, because it's, it's not convenient to be broken. We have to go through hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Ask God to break your heart. It's so worth it to discover a passionate calling. You might be here today and, and you're apprehensive. You're, something's broken your heart. You've sensed a calling. Maybe it was even when you were a little kid. But you've been reluctant to start. You don't, you're not sure where to begin with that thing. I want to say this plainly, that if we know what God's called us to do and we're not doing it, we're disobedient. If God's given us a vision and we feel like I'm too young, I'm too old, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough resources, I can't do it right now because I'm too busy, 
Whatever your excuse is for not following that call God's placed on your life, we're being disobedient. God wants to use you. You are the plan. In Acts 26, Paul's on trial before King Agrippa and the Jewish leaders for preaching the gospel. And in his defense, he says, So then, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the vision from heaven. If God has given you a vision, if God has given you a heart to reach out to others, if he's broken your heart from some, for some corner of this world and you're not doing something about it, we're being disobedient. It's time to take action. If the fear of change or the fear of rejection or the fear of the unknown has kept you from acting on the call God is giving to you, know that you're not alone as you go. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and self-discipline. God is with you. He's empowering you. He's giving you everything you need to accomplish what he has called you to do. If you're here and you're anguishing, maybe you've, you've felt this calling and you've tried to pursue it, but you've failed. You've tried to pursue it and you've run into opposition. And so you've put that thing on hold or you've pushed it so far down that it doesn't hurt anymore. I want to tell you, your time is now. Bring that thing back. Seek God for that thing, that broken heart. Nehemiah ran into opposition as well. He ran into opposition from, from within his own tribe. He ran into opposition from outside as people began to attack as they rebuilt the walls. And it says in Nehemiah chapter four, but from then on, only half my men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on with the work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Listen, if you have to work with one hand and fight with the other hand, it's worth fighting for. It's worth fighting for the thing that God has broken your heart for. There is not a calling in this world that doesn't require us to fight for it. God is calling you today to fight for that calling. Lastly, maybe you're here and you're acting on that calling. You're living out what God has called you to. Your heart's been broken. You've pursued it and you're seeing it happen. And it's finally happening that God is bringing about the things he's called you to. That's awesome. I want to rejoice with you because there's nothing greater in this world than being used by God and seeing the fruit of your obedience and God's power. There's no greater adventure than pursuing that calling on your life and seeing it happening. And so if you're living in that, in that area of life right now, man, I'm so excited for you. I love in, in the, the story of Nehemiah, in, uh, in chapter 12, it says, and on that day they offered great sacrifices, rejoicing because God had given them great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. The sound of rejoicing in Jerusalem could be heard far away. After you've fought through it, after you've, you've prayed, after you've passionately sought God and your heart's been broken and you've fought hard for that dream to finally see, see it happen, there's no greater joy in this world. So where are you at today? Wherever you find yourself, know that God has a calling for you. No one's exempt from it. It starts with identifying what breaks your heart, then passionately seeking God, realizing that you're a part of the plan.